I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 116 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, it is great to be back with the first episode of 2019, where my celebration of fatherhood and family values continues. I hope you guys all enjoyed your holiday season and had a safe New Year's. I have got some very big visions and goals for First Class Fatherhood this year, and thanks to you listeners, I have no doubt that my dreams will manifest and come into fruition. So please, help me spread the word about the podcast. Share it with any father in your contact list or any dad in your neighborhood. Let's spread the word and light the podcasting industry on fire this year dads it's all happening because of you guys and i cannot say thank you enough for continuing to listen and support me here and i have got a couple of huge announcements to make but first let me hit you guys with the guest list that i got lined up this week today i will be joined by the former distribution executive for disney mr dave hollis will be my guest today and if you guys want to do something great for your wives or your girlfriends pick up a copy of girl wash your face that was written by dave's wife rachel hollis Uh, she's like the female version of tony robbins your wife will love you for it i got a copy of it uh from my wife for christmas she knocked it right out she's spreading the word to all her friends about it so uh Dave Hollis will join me today. Wednesday, Chris Patterson, who was mentored by Zig Ziglar, will be joining me uh, on the podcast here. His company has generated over $1.2 billion in revenue for his clients. Uh, So he's stopping by Wednesday. You don't want to miss that. And on Friday, I will have the honor of being joined by a 12-year Navy SEAL operator who served on the most elite team in the world, SEAL Team 6. Dom Razo will be here. So come on. What a way to kick things off here in 2019. And now, let me tell you about the exciting news. I have picked up two huge sponsors for the podcast, and both of them are going to benefit you listeners greatly. First off, we know that the NFL playoffs are underway and that the NHL and NBA seasons are in full swing, and there is no better experience as a dad than to take your son or daughter to the ball game. And now with my new partner, SeatGeek, you can use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's going to be one word, FIRSTCLASS, at the checkout, and you're going to save $20 off your ticket purchase. This works for anything on their website, guys. So you go to www.seatgeek.com. It's good for concerts, Broadway shows. they got such a wide variety of all kinds of events on there. Whatever your kids are into, you use the promo code FIRSTCLASS at the checkout, and all First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save $20 off the ticket prices, all right? It's a slam dunk, guys. Get over there and check it out. I am also very proud to announce that I have teamed up with First Class Father George Fox, who joined me right here back on Episode 112. He is the founder of NFW Watch Company. This guy is making badass watches, and he helps so many people, especially our veterans. you got to do yourself a favor. Get over to nfwonline.com and see exactly what I mean. See what George brings to the table. This guy worked for Timex for over 10 years. He knows what it takes to make a good watch, and all of his watches offer all the features of the watches that cost two to three times what he charges because he cuts out the middleman. He sells directly to you guys. And because you're listeners of First Class Fatherhood, you're going to save 15% off your entire purchase order when you put in the promo code FATHER at the checkout. You're going to get free domestic shipping and $50 of your purchase is going to go directly to Honor Flight, which is helping out our World War II veterans. 
you got to check out the selection. Get over to nfwonline.com. Check out especially the Valor Collection. You're going to be blown away. All of his watches are top shelf. George is a first-class father. He's got a first-class company, and his watches are first-class as well. So please, get over to nfwonline.com. I am going to include the links to all of this stuff in the description of this podcast episode. So please, check out the watches, nfwonline.com. Enter the promo code FATHER. You're going to get 15% off there. Free shipping, 50 bucks to honor flight. It's another win-win situation, and you got to check it out. All right, so there you go. You can save some money the next time you bring your kids to the game, and you can wear an amazing timepiece while doing so. I am very proud to be connected now with both SeatGeek and NFW Watch Company, and I am honored to offer you guys a chance to save some money as a token of thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. So what a way to kick off 2019 here. The best is yet to come from the Little Acorn grew the mighty oak so it's time for me to smack you guys with a quick little spot and i'm going to be right back on the other side with my first interview of 2019 with first class father dave hollis i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Today's interview is being brought to you by SeatGeek. Get over to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and save $20 off of your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com, promo code First class. And joining me now is a first class father. He is the former distribution executive for Disney. He has now taken his talents and experience to the Hollis Company. It is a great privilege for me to say, Dave Hollis, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Al. Nice to be here. Appreciate you. All right, let's do this here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, I have a thousand children. Uh, no, I have four children, which at times feels like a thousand. Uh, I have a, an 11 year old named Jackson, a 10 year old named Sawyer, a six year old named Ford, and an almost two year old daughter named Noah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got four myself. They are 12, 11, 8, and four. Right on. All right. So, what type of sports or activities are they into? So, they are each so unbelievably different that they are each into something totally different. My uh, 11-year-old is uh, into science. He's into stage play. He's on a math team. So he's a little more of an intellectual, a little more of the theater kid, uh, which, by the way, when I was having kids and he was the first, was not what I had ever uh, imagined. I thought that each of my kids were going to be into baseball and soccer like I was growing up. Uh, and I've really, as a father, adapted to following the breadcrumbs of where their passions lie and fueling the things that they're most into as opposed to trying to uh, push them into things that they uh, are begrudgingly or against their will uh, participating in for my pleasure. So uh, he loves his theater, loves his science, loves his math. My uh, next son, Sawyer, is the most like I was growing up. He plays baseball and soccer. Uh, he's just a, a massive fan of baseball, and uh, sitting in the stands watching him play is one of the things that I think I probably enjoy most uh, when it comes to how we spend our time together. Uh, my third son, Ford, is an artist. He is uh, just super, super into art. And so when 
uh, it comes to extracurricular or how we might uh, fuel him. It's really been about programs at school or extensions outside of school that allow him to express himself creatively. And my daughter, Noah, at 22 months, uh, she's the cutest thing on the face of the earth and a total monster. So she has not yet uh, represented where her passions lie, but basically she will rule the world, and she has let us all know that uh, we're on notice because of the fact that she gets whatever she wants, and if she doesn't, she lets us know. Yeah, I hear that, Dave. Uh, We had our three boys first, uh, and then we were blessed with our little ruler of the family, our little princess. I love the dichotomy that that brings, the little shift from being a father of all boys to now uh, having a little girl. And I'm with you on how different the kids are because uh, my older son, he got into chess, which is something that uh, I've never played before, and now uh, I'm fairly decent at it, and we all play chess in the family. So you never know where it's going to take you. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I had a a week. Last week or the week, no, the week before last, where my oldest was in a play the day before my next son was in a playoff baseball game, and we happened to have grandparents in town, and just like to be able to, as one was on stage doing the thing that he loves most, be in an audience with my parents and my other sons, watching, you know, him do his thing, and then the next day, roles reversed. Here we were sitting in in the audience of a baseball stadium, cheering on someone else doing their thing and um, just because it wasn't like the other didn't make it any less special uh, but that it was their thing they got to feel I think even more a little bit of a a shining light on them for uh, getting their moment to have it be their thing. Okay yeah you mentioned there that one of your boys plays baseball do you get involved with coaching the team at all or do you cheer them on from the sideline more? I'm a cheer them on from the stands kind of dad. Uh, my, uh, My wife and I are uh, just six months into jumping into an adventure together running a company that makes our hours and our travel a little hairy in a way that would not afford me the luxury of being a coach. Uh, but I, I will say we just had our holiday party. Two of my son's coaches were at our holiday party because I have mad respect for the dads that have been able to, and moms. Uh, we, had a, we had two dads and two moms that were coaches of the team this last year. And uh, they were rad. They were, they were honestly, as my son uh, this last season picked up pitching for the first time, the patience, the willingness to, like, on the mound, in the game, go through mechanics with my boy, like, they were able to do some stuff that, honestly, like, I don't have the expertise to necessarily even teach some of the things that they were able to teach. So uh, I just have mad respect for it. But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sitting in the stands cheering on. A lot of times, um, these games in Texas, too, I'll tell you what, they can go on. So uh, I I don't mind sitting and enjoying the good three-hour game, even if my commentary at times becomes a little bit wry with, are we really putting 10-year-olds through a three-hour experience at 9.30 p.m. on a school night? Cool. All right, Dave, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Right on. So I uh, work at a company that is mainly named after myself and my wife, the Hollis Company. Uh, We work to put tools in the hands of people that if they were to use them might uh, make their life better. Uh, My wife is a New York Times number one bestselling author of a book called Girl Wash Your Face. It's her sixth book. Uh, She creates conferences where women uh, and men can come together and be inspired to reach for a better version of themselves. Uh, Her women's conference is called Rise. Um, She worked for about 15 years uh, building a community of people that uh, six months ago, 
I decided to come and join, and now we do this work together. Before that, uh, I just left the Walt Disney Company after I spent 17 years working there, the last seven of which uh, where I was the head of sales for the theatrical movie business. I put movies into movie theaters. And so uh, I had a fantastic run uh, there, and for 10 years prior to that, working inside of Hollywood at Fox, I worked with Merv Griffin for a stretch. I worked with an agency with people who uh, put their faces on television or movies. Um, I had some really cool experiences, uh, but ultimately decided that I wanted to try and chase some big dreams with my wife. And uh, so we moved our family from Los Angeles, where we lived for the majority of our lives, to Austin, Texas, back in June of uh, 2018. And uh, here we are with our four kids. Uh, we... Uh, prior to having uh, our daughter join us via adoption, we also were foster parents. So we've been foster parents to four children as well. And, uh, and that's it. We've got a dog named Jeffrey and a fish named Flash. Awesome. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, your wife's book in my monologue there, Girl, Wash Your Face. I got it from my wife for Christmas. She devoured it, and she's recommending it to all of her friends. Uh, uh, when did fatherhood come into the picture for you? How old were you? And uh, how did becoming a dad change your perspective on life? Yeah, so I, my wife and I got married. Uh, it was an eight-year age difference. She was about 20. I was about 28. We uh, waited a couple of years before we ended up having kids, so... I'm 43 now. I've got an 11-year-old, so at 32 or so years old, I had my first son, and it was like it is for all dads. It was a fundamental change in uh, a, a me-centric or us-centric universe, the reality of um, the role that you have to play in keeping humans alive and um, the responsibility that you know you have to actually being someone as a model for them uh, that you'd want to try and do well by them and, and for them so that as they watch how you operate in the world, they uh, hopefully have a bit of a guide on how to grow up and become men or now a woman herself, themselves. And so, um, I, you know, like it, it, was a, it was a shock to the system, especially in the, like, hey, no one can tell you what to expect before you have a child. You can read all the books that you want or ask all your friends who have kids, and none of it actually is going to totally prepare you for the experience. We ended up having two kids right in a row. We have 20-month separation between our first and second. And so for us, um, the joys of having a kid and uh, the, the wonder of having a kid was met with the complicated, holy cow, we're totally exhausted nature of having two kids right in a row. And uh, we, we made it through Toddlerville and got our feet back on solid ground and decided to go for one more. Uh, we ended up finding out that we were having a boy, and it was, and great news, healthy boy, let's have another boy, but also the beginning of a conversation for wanting to adopt a girl. And so we, not long after we had our third boy, started a journey where we originally were going to adopt out of Ethiopia, uh, a program that was available to us, but then about two years in, shut down. We then moved to uh, the county of Los Angeles, just looking for where there might be some need in our own backyard. And uh, they had a program where you had to foster before you adopt. And so we uh, fostered two girls in the beginning of 2016, 
they came and then were reunited with their parents after our fostering was done. We satisfied the fostering requirement. We moved to adoption. We got a call about a pair of twin girls that were available for adoption at five days old. We brought them home. Twins are no joke. Uh, it was super hard and, um, and beautiful all at the same time. We had them for a little more than two months when we got a really tough phone call that someone on the biological family side of things was fighting for custody and they were uh, unfortunately taken out of our house. And so we were back at scratch wondering if like, is this adoption thing supposed to work out? Uh, and we decided to push through our desire for a daughter didn't change just because it got hard. And we went into an independent adoption. We met a birth mom in Omaha, Nebraska. We're in the room when she was born in February of 2017. Brought her back home and uh, our family of now four kids, six total humans is, uh, is complete with a happy ending to what was an interesting story getting to that happy ending. Yeah, wow. What an amazing story, Dave. Uh, very inspiring. What, what type of effect did that have on, on the other kids as far as you bringing children home and into their lives? They grew accustomed to them, started to develop a relationship with them. They thought they were going to be there forever, and then all of a sudden, boom, they were suddenly gone. It had, it had a big effect on everybody. Uh, interestingly, it was um, probably the first time in our lives that we saw the fruit that came from choosing uncertainty. Uh, I've been someone who was always about managing expectations and making sure that there was um, security and certainty as a part of our road. And the decision to go into, or the universe's decision to pull us into foster care was one that came with the kind of yielding to uncertainty just being a part of our life. And what ended up happening in a really great for us kind of way was in that uncertainty, uh, it was hard. And that hard that season that we ended up having to go through tested our marriage, but showed how strong it could be, uh, tested our faith. You think you have faith, but until it's really tested, how do you know? Uh, and it, for our kids, uh, it really showcased how resilient they could be. Um, it, it's not to say that it wasn't difficult because they, yep, they're small humans. They attached to other small humans. We had kids in our house. They became close to them. And then when uh, it was time for them to leave, we, in each instance, didn't get a lot of notice. So it was hard for them, but it helped us as parents appreciate how resilient they could be. And it actually gave us, um, in having seen how much each of us, including them, uh, we all grew so much. Um, it gave us the confidence to find other situations to take responsible risk or choose uncertainty so that they might be the beneficiaries of growth themselves. As a, for example, we, when we moved to Texas, um, this is a camp culture, and I just did not grow up going to summer camps, but they have um, some really great summer camps here in Texas and in uh, an attempt to acclimate the kids to this new place that we're living, maybe make some new friends we found the summer camp where they could sleep away for three weeks. And they'd only slept for like a night anywhere. So this seems for me as a person who, you know, wants to make sure that they don't get hurt, uh, a big leap to throw them into an environment that was a little uncertain for three weeks worth of time. But it was unbelievably great for them. It was transformational in part because um, they were in that independence forced to be accountable for themselves in a way that sometimes when we are around them as parents, we don't necessarily um, push them to be accountable for themselves, in part because 
there were plenty of opportunities for responsible rift. Like I would have probably kept them from climbing to as tall a branch or, you know, jumping into a river that is moving in a way that this camp encouraged. And in doing it, it let them see that they could be confident in themselves in a way that, frankly, as a dad, I might not have, uh, have allowed them to do it. So um, it's a long way to get from adoption journey, foster care conversation into going to camp. But the, the uncertainty of that foster journey showed us that we need to find more uncertainty for our kids because that's where they grow. Yeah. All right. It is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. And I think that's important, Dave, because, listen, I think I've fallen into the trap here, too, of putting our kids in, into organized sports at such a young age. I mean, I had our kids in soccer as young as four years old. And when I was a kid, we just we played more in the neighborhood. We played a ton of street ball. There were never any coaches or refs or parents watching over us. We had to solve all those problems of picking the teams and, and setting the rules and settling the fights. And today, we, we've made that all kind of artificial, in a sense, for our kids. And we kind of robbed them of that freedom that the camp that you're talking about uh, is providing. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting thing because I grew up, I'm sure you did too, with, with like the, um, hey, come on with the, when the, when the streetlights come on kind of neighborhood. I, I don't know, I don't want to guess that that's what you grew up in, but I, for me, times were totally different. And so the kind of use your imagination, get out and be physical, go be independent, make some mistakes, learn from them. All of that was just part and parcel with what it meant to be growing up when I grew up. My kids now, like the orchestration of a play date or the structure of a league, like the things that exist now, it's in some respects come at the expense of their fully getting to develop some of their imagination skills or their adventure skills or honestly making some you know, mistakes or finding themselves in a position of, you know, risk that can't truly hurt them just to see that they can get through that adversity. And I, as a dad, I, I worry a little bit about that because I don't want them to get into the world post our, you know, being their parents and, and find like, uh, like, uh, like being ill-equipped basically to like handle what life's going to throw at them. Life's not going to care whether or not they were prepared well or not, it's going to come at them. And I want them to be as ready as they, they possibly can be. Uh, yeah, and I'll be honest with you, Dave, I struggle with that as well, too. I mean, especially because we have so many uh, luxuries and so many conveniences, and, and I'm enjoying them, and I'm not really leading by example, especially since I started the podcast. I mean, I'm definitely using my phone more. I'm into social media now because I'm always trying to promote the podcast, and I'm trying to lessen the technology time with my kids, and I kind of, um, you know, I realize that, hey, you know, I'm using the stuff more myself. So uh, how do you manage technology time, video game time, and stuff like that? With your kids uh, technology is brutal i mean it's on the one hand you want them to have fluency and have you know a, an ability to navigate so that when they do become people that are living in a world that has technology at its fingertips that they can you know do it but uh, connecting and being present and being in conversation is a thing that we have to work on every single day we're really crazy about what when technology can and can't exist inside of our house uh, there is no technology in the morning unless you have completely gotten yourself ready. Your bed is made, your teeth are brushed, your breakfast is done, your shoes are on, the backpack is packed and ready. And at that point, you can, you know, jump on a play station or something for a couple of minutes before we jump in the car. In the evening, 
everything homework-wise has to be done. You can't get on technology until after a certain hour. And at that point, you get about an hour's worth of time where there's a window, and then that's it. And so they get to, after 5 p.m., choose when they want to have their hour. But um, it's about an hour a day in the evening, maybe a little bit of bonus time in the morning if they've got themselves ready and have taken care of all their stuff. Um, but no technology in rooms. Um, we're, we're, there's no TVs in rooms. There's no phones in rooms. So um, we're, we're kind of crazy about making sure to, you know, control what they can and can't get access to. They're young, but not probably too young. Um, and also, you know, like trying to be a little more deliberate with how technology doesn't invade the times when we want to be together as a family. We have dinner every night at 6.30 p.m. every night at the table. There is no technology available then. Um, and technology ultimately ends up being a bit of leverage that we get to hold for good behavior. So we were getting ready for school this morning. One of my sons was having a little bit of, a, a little bit of trouble with respect, so he lost technology for a day. When he found that out, he continued to struggle with respect, so he lost technology for two days. So, you know, like, it's, it's the first thing we go to as a vehicle <laughs> to try and, you know, behavior modify, as it were, and it's very effective because, man, they love their technology. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, we use that Fortnite game as a sort of uh, currency to get our kids motivated to do just about anything we want now. Yeah. Yeah, and w one thing I talk about quite a bit on the podcast is that I, I drive for Uber on the weekends, and it's cool to see that the 20-year-olds, they're using the technology not to drink and drive, but once they get in the car, they don't talk to one another. It's, it's always their faces are right into the screen, and uh, there's certainly a breakdown in communication and social skills, and that's kind of sad to see. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I... Um, I'm a creep dad. I definitely use technology to monitor the kind of conversations that my kids are having. Maybe when they get older, I will stop doing this, but I, I do it. And I, um, my, it hurts my, it hurts my heart to be honest. Like I see the way that these kids in text are so casual in how they can go at each other. And I think part of what the breakdown has created is there's an inhumanity in the back and forth that allows you to say things that you just wouldn't say to somebody else's face, let alone, you know, articulate, um, you know, in a, in a good way. But, um, man, people being mean on the internet or people being mean in text is something that doesn't just happen to us grownups who have Instagram accounts. It's happening to people that are nine and 10 and 11 years old in middle school right now too. Craziness. Yeah, and all this stuff is still relatively new, and it's always uh, constantly changing, and I'm just trying to keep up with all of it. Uh, but tell me, Dave, uh, you worked for Disney for a long time, so do your kids uh, have a favorite Disney movie that they all share in common? Or And what were some of the perks of having a dad who works for Disney? What Disney movie do they like? I mean, like, they are, like, Johnny-come-lately kind of kids. Like, their favorite Disney movie is the last movie. Like, almost every time. I, if I were to ask them right now what's your favorite movie, they would probably say Wreck-It Ralph 2 because it was the last thing that they got to see. Um, they're, they're very much like what's, what's most recently been in the theater fans. Um, my job was definitely one that came with um, weird, cool perks that – um, they probably thought were pretty normal that now that they don't exist, hopefully are things that they can actually appreciate. They didn't appreciate them before. Um, I, you know, I got to, I got to work on, um, it wasn't just Disney, but Marvel and Pixar and Lucas and the Disney animation films. And, um, and with that, 
the you know there were there were premieres and there were red carpets on those premieres and so my kids uh you know I put up a picture just last week it was a year ago that we went to our last premiere when the last um December Star Wars movie was out in movie theaters and here they are standing in front of a 40 foot at it like they they probably had no appreciation of the rare era that they were standing inside of or that, frankly, it was even going to change. I don't think we told them yet that we were going to move to Texas. Um, I certainly hadn't told anyone at Disney yet. But um, they got to do some cool stuff. And in a weird way, I'm happy that that transition away from Disney creates hopefully a little bit more normal <laughs> set of stuff that they get to go do now. Yeah, and I've seen some of those posts you put up there over the holidays about how your kids' Christmas list included, uh, you know, stuff that runs on gasoline and all that. So uh, how do you keep the kids grounded, especially with all the success that you've had and that Rachel has enjoyed? Uh, how do you kind of keep them grounded, and what type of uh, disciplinarian are you as a dad? Well, I mean, grounded for sure is uh, like an every single day kind of thing in like trying to appreciate and have a little bit of perspective for like how to focus on gratitude for what they have and how to show up for those that maybe don't have as much as they do. So we, um, we're we crazy, Rachel and I, about a gratitude practice that um, starts and ends our day, starts or ends our day, where if you spend the day looking for 10 things to be grateful for and have to write them down at the end of your day, uh, it just changes the way that you look at the day because you're on the hunt all day for gratitude. And so we, with our kids, tried to have them approach their day in the same way, and at the end of the day, we'll try and push them for what they have um, grateful hearts for. Um, you know, trying to keep them um, grounded also is giving them responsibilities around the house or holding them accountable for things like making their bed every single day or doing their homework every single day or, you know, things that, like, every kid has to inevitably do, but, you know, if if Rachel ends up creating something that ends up selling well, or we have a, a, a business, you know, thing that ends up taking off, uh, it's not going to change the way that they have to be responsible kids in our house or the way that they have to show up as a part of our family. Um, when it comes to discipline, um, I'm definitely, like, my style of discipline has been more of, like, using a timeout kind of method where it's, hey, Let's, let's head to your room. And I tend to be more of a, I want to have a conversation with you about why what you're doing isn't going to work inside this house or doesn't work for this family or doesn't work as a way to show up for your mom or I. Um, and we'll have a conversation and like tech, taking technology away or, you know, doing something that might keep them from something that they want, you know, tends to be the way I've, we've never been spankers, you know, people who, who would spank their kids and, uh, I think it's been I think it's been pretty effective. I've really, with my ten and my nine, and my eleven year old, been leaning into having a longer conversation about the why. Uh, I had a I had a, an interesting conversation with one of them the other day about the idea of, of victims mentality. He was you know just kind of representing a little bit of this um, you know why do they get or why does he have or and sometimes it's comparison to brothers. Sometimes it was comparison to other people at school. And it required us to be in conversation on multiple days for length, decent lengths of time to really try and land the point that instead of focusing on what they have, whoever the collective they are, that he needs to stay really grounded and focused on what he has and what he has to offer and how um, 
you know, like comparison really is going to not serve him in any kind of way. Um, I know that's not really about discipline so much as it is just the style of trying to work through like the things that come up, but um, I'm very much to my kids, maybe chagrin at times, like let's talk this out. Look me in the eye. Let's figure this out, but I'm going to try and be as logical as I can be to keep emotion from being a part of why you're in trouble. Let's just like get down to the nitty gritty logic, (laughs) logically why, why this is wrong and why you can't do it. Not always easy, for sure. All right, Dave, please tell me and my listeners a little bit about the Hollis Company, why you started it, where you're taking it, and where my listeners can go to find out more about it. Right on. So my uh, my wife had run this company for a long, long time. It was called Chic Media. Uh, there was a blog. There was an event company. Uh, all of these things morphed over time into a media company that when we decided to go into this together, we renamed the Hollis Company. And the Hollis Company, in the simplest form, is an attempt for us as a company to put tools in people's hands that if they were to use them, would allow them to change their life uh, for the better, uh, and if they were to use them over time, forever. Uh, My wife, like I said, is is a writer of books, so she has a current book out. It's book six. The next book is called Girl Stop Apologizing. It comes out in March. Uh, I'm working on a book that's about guys getting out of their own way. It comes out in the spring of 2020. Uh, we do live events. Uh, there's a conference that comes up in June and July called Rise. Uh, there's a documentary that's coming out in movie theaters that actually captured those live events in January called Made for More. It'll be streaming not long after it's in theaters in January on Amazon. Uh, we've got a couple of cool podcasts. Rachel has a podcast on Tuesdays called The Rise Podcast. It's a top 20 iTunes podcast, and it features conversations each week about women in business. And then on Thursdays, we have a podcast called Rise Together, where we talk pretty honestly about a bunch of stuff that couples never, ever usually talk about. So we hit the gamut from parenting to uh, how to stay in an exceptional relationship, working together, talk about sex, talk about everything. And uh, that's on Thursdays called Rise Together. So, um, and then she's got some really fun stuff that's coming up this next year uh, on the apparel side. There's a new line coming out with QVC uh, on April 1st, and uh, she's got some other partnerships that will be announced pretty, pretty quickly. So, exciting stuff. If you want to follow me, um, Mr. Dave Hollis on Instagram, she's Ms. MS Rachel Hollis on Instagram. We're both our regular names on Facebook. The Hollis Company has a has a thing you can follow on either platform. So. Um, check it out. You can go to thehollisco.com and find out everything that you could possibly want to know about the company. Awesome. I will be including all the links in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just click on the link, get over there, and check it all out. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Dave, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? My number one piece of advice would be to have confidence that you were given these children so that they would be fathered by you and that your style, your way, even if it departs from the way that your dad parented you or the way that your mother-in-law thinks you should father or the way that uh, society says is normal, um, you have to do you. You have to do what is best and right for you and not worry about what anybody else thinks your kids are going to have only one experience when it comes to the dad that they have and the upbringing that they have. 
and it will be yours. And that will be the one that they needed to get them from where they are to where they're going. Very well said. I love the message. Dave Hollis, this has been a lot of fun. And I got to say, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Dave Hollis for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. That's it, folks. Episode 1 of 2019 is in the books. Bring it back here for Wednesday's episode, 117. I'll have First Class Father Chris Patterson with me. Friday, I'm going to have former Navy SEAL Dom Razo with me. And uh, we are are underway here in the 2019 season of First Class Fatherhood. The best is yet to come. I got some really exciting guests to announce. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Alec Lace. Follow me on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace. You're going to get all the updates on there first. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, I saw feeling so.